Man, there's so much going on in the tech world. I have so much to cover. I got it all in here. It's action-packed. All right? Is it? Yeah, it's action-packed okay. today. First thing I want to talk about, this laptop I've been using, this is a 17-inch LG Gram. It's the lightest 17-inch laptop in the world. This thing, you want to slap it under the arm, Will, you huh. feel like you're carrying a 13-inch. This is a three-pound laptop, 17-inch. That's why they call it the Gram? Yeah, that's why they call it the Gram. All right. Anyways, uh, I've been using it for a little little while. Shout out to LG for sponsoring this spot on the desk and helping me, me get the show done. Mm. They're having a deal on various LG Gram models, ultra light laptops on their site through the link in the description right now. There's a deal on a 14 inch. There's a deal on the 17 inch that I'm using right here. Save up to $250, I believe. I see a couple of them. Save 200, save 100. You go check it out for yourself. If you got to carry this thing around, if you got to slap it in a bag, if you got to slap it under the arm, all right, your back, your back is going to thank you. Yeah. Because it's so light. Mm. You see what I'm saying here, Will? I hear you. So that's the LG Gram. My first story today is about Apple, an unexpected Apple product, which is not even an Apple product you're gonna, you, can, you can go out and buy. Really? No, this is an Apple product only for Apple employees. So you know. It's high level. Is it swag? Introducing the Apple face mask. Oh. Can you imagine where, what it would feel like to breathe that rare Apple air? Mm. Nah, you got to use that regular surgical. I'm jealous. You got to go to Costco and get the box over there. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have something like that. Apparently, as when this whole thing started to hit, Apple realized, hey, we're going to open these stores back up, but we can't have our employees in those regular raggedy masks. No. We think we're Apple. We can make these fancy devices. We can figure out a mask. Yeah, they deserve better. So they went to the drawing board. The real design team goes to the drawing board. You got a picture of this guy right here. All right. They have two masks they came out with. Light, comfortable, and effective at keeping you and others safe. The two masks called Apple Face Mask and Apple Clear Mask developed in Cupertino by the engineering and industrial design team. Imagine those people coming together, put together a mask. Imagine those teams with the sketching. Yeah. You could have been on a team like that. Mm. You had to play your cards right in life. Mm -hmm. You might not have been sitting there. I know. So unfortunate. You have been, could have been sketching the Apple face mask. It's a three-layer design. Filters both incoming and outgoing particles. <laughs> it seems like a solid fit. It's a nice fit in on terms that guy. Of design. It's a real nice fit on that guy. It can be washed and reused up to five times. And it has a triangle shape to accommodate the nose without fogging the glasses, which you would appreciate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think we got to get you one of these Apple masks. Listen, Apple employees out there. All right, you guys sneak us one of these masks. Hmm. You got to hit up Willie. Do it's will at lulater.com. Hmm. And you got to send him one of these. We'll do an unboxing video. Hopefully not a used one. No, 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 don't use it. Don't use it. Just sneak one. Yeah. Because you can only wash it five times. So I presume Apple's going to supply a few extras. Well, I don't want you to risk your job or anything. No. You work for Apple. But if you can, you know, get one of these things going. I'll now, wear one on the show. Then, then, then you email will at lulater.com. You get on the show. We'll give you a shout out. Everything. Mm -hmm. uh, now, they didn't just put out that mask that that guy's wearing. They also had to do a clear one. And they had to do a clear one, transparent one, uh, for deaf and hard of hearing people so they could understand. Mm. But with the lips. Check that out with the clear one. Whoa. 
I mean, this isn't apples, but I guess that's a similar setup. Clear mask. It's pretty interesting. There's anyway, some padding on it. Yeah, there's a little padding on the chin because you got to get to keep it sealed up. Yes. I have it sealed up. Anyway, uh, Apple's got its own mask. It's going to be for Apple employees exclusively. Now, if you do go to the Apple store anytime soon, if it's open wherever you happen to be, uh, they will supply you a mask okay. before you walk in, but it's not going to be that mask. No. No, no. They're going to supply you the regular surgical mask, and the employees get to rock the luxury mask, yeah. which is fair. They're in there all day, you know. Uh -huh. they, yeah. they got the nice fit with the no fog. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was noteworthy. Hey, Will, you know what? We got a sponsor for today's show. We do. Yeah, it's exciting times. It's HelloFresh. And I don't know if you try these guys. I tried this out. Yep. Because I like the fresh food. I like to prepare something. Uh -huh. I like to know what went into it. Yeah. And, and in that way, you know, I know if it's healthy. Mm -hmm. How do you think I put all this together over here? You I know, know, I got to pay attention. Now I know. Yeah, I got to pay now. attention to the food. And HelloFresh, what it is, they send you everything you need to get that healthy meal cooked at home. It's all ready to go. Mm. So you don't have to be wondering, you know, you're looking for the recipe, you're screwing it up. No, man, you got the instructions over here. Mm -hmm. And the last one they sent me, it was the burgers. Okay. My mouth just watered a little bit. Oh, yeah? It was the burgers. And he made it simple. You can't screw it up. And next thing you know, you're biting into a juicy burger. Mm -hmm. All right. And you will have a side dish and everything else. So you can set it up however you want, whatever you're into, right? You select the meal deals, the meal kits that are going to show up. It could be, look, he's going through it. Pork sausage, spaghetti, creamy dill chicken. Is that the one you had? Barbecue cheddar pork burgers. Something like that. Right? Honey drizzled paprika chicken. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it's up to you. Shawarma, chickpea, couscous bowl. That might be more your style. Yeah, yeah. That might be more your speed, Willie Do. I'm down with the couscous. So here's how it goes, all right? HelloFresh offers convenient delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Recipes are easy to follow, quick to make. Simple steps and pictures guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. I mean, you're a busy guy. You can't be thinking about putting together something. You can't get the couscous. Guy like you, you get home, you're tired, you've been on this thing all day. Yeah. You need step by step, you got to put it together. You can have your dinner on the table in 30 minutes, sometimes even less. You can save a lot of money as well because you're not going to waste. Sometimes you buy things with the best intentions and then because of the, you got to put together the steps, maybe you don't get around to, you throw, you have the waste. Mm -hmm. You don't have that with Hello Fresh, And it's all, it's delivered to you, so it's no extra work. It's just there and ready to go when you get home. They say it's also, uh, it helps you to eat more sub, uh, sustainably, pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden. The packaging that HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or recycled content. You see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can keep your fridge stocked by adding extra proteins or sides like garlic bread to your weekly order. So you could top up the weekly order. Uh, also, HelloFresh is committed to giving back. HelloFresh donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. Look, you can get money right now because you're watching Lou later. Mm -hmm. They will give you 80 bucks to actually try it out. I highly recommend HelloFresh, especially with this deal because it's easy. It's an easy trial. $80 off, including free shipping. And all you got to do is go to loulater.com 
no, no, HelloFresh.com slash LouLater80. You understand? HelloFresh.com slash LouLater80. Use the code LouLater80. You will get $80 off your first month, including free shipping on your first box. Uh, additional restrictions apply. Visit HelloFresh.com for more details, but more importantly, HelloFresh.com slash LouLater80. If you're going to try it out, you got to get the deal. Mm-hmm. All right, 80 bucks, you got to get the deal, and also you support the show at the same time. So check it out. HelloFresh.com slash LouLater80. Motorola Razor uh, 5G. That was the video we put out today, earlier. Yeah. I've got it in my hand right here. Look at this slick little, this slick little device. Totally different take. It's been exciting times, man. New form factors coming through. And you never know what you're going to find. They came with some improvements on this. Maybe first and foremost for me, the location of the fingerprint scanner. They moved it from the previous version, which is kind of, it's wild they got another version already because it was like eight months ago we had a version. Mm -hmm. So the new one took the fingerprint scanner from the front chin and moved it to the back of the device. Kind of a familiar, familiar location, some of the early fingerprint scanners that we saw on the rear of the device, and it's right on the Motorola logo. They improved the camera. They improved the hinge. There's almost no crease on the display, and it's really one of the only phones you're going to get that's going to be this compact in the hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild. When it's in the pocket, you don't even notice. Of course, you have the display on the outside as well for your quick notifications, but also you can close it off well when you don't need to be distracted. Mm-hmm. Now, the original was a Verizon exclusive, and I'm just over here reading now. This one's going to pop up T-Mobile, AT&T. It's a little difficult to recognize which one you're getting because the other one came out eight months ago. And this one, what are they calling it? It's just Razer 5G. Right. So you got to know what you're looking at. If you see a fingerprint scanner on the back and you're in AT&T and T-Mobile, you're looking at the new one. You might I still... I with the colors too. With the new colors also. New colors. But presumably, you could still pick up the other one from Verizon. That's true. Right? I, w- I would assume. So... It's, of course, got sub-6 gigahertz 5G built into it for T-Mobile and AT&T. It's not a cheap phone. This is kind of a luxury phone at the price point. I don't know. It's around $1,400, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a style phone. It's a statement phone. I think you pull this out, you're going to get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And it is cheaper than the other folding phones that are out there. It's worth noting. Yeah. When you start talking about the Z Fold 2 and things like this, if you really want to experiment, but really... The key advantage with this formula right here is single-handed functionality. Mm -hmm. You can reach across the screen super easy. You can open and close it with one hand. When you do take a phone call, if you take phone calls still in 2020, this is a very comfortable phone call type of setup. I'll give you the demonstration. Mm. So anyways, I don't know how well it's going to do. I'm glad they're doing it. I like the idea of different form factors. If you think about the phones I like to keep over here on the table, Will, Look at what it is. I got the new Razer. Look at what it is. It's the Surface Duo. Look at what it is. It's the Z Fold 2. Foldables. Well, it's just a little more exciting and interesting for me to experiment with. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's seen slab after slab, it gets me going. So anyway, if you want to see more on this little device, you go check the video on Unbox Therapy. But I think I'm going to slap the SIM card in this one. Oh, you're going to use Yeah, it. I think I might. Right on. I'm just talking, but I think I might. They also improved the chin on it. The whole thing, it feels it feels kind of slick. I'll be honest with you. 
Speaking of upcoming designs, we have another design patent here from uh, Apple. This uh, recently got issued. I don't know if you ever saw that video, the slow-mo guys video, Will, where it showed the ejection of the water from the Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. And this is when you go swimming with the Apple Watch and it's, it's able afterwards to use some pretty cool technology to spit the water that's inside out using a speaker. It uses a speaker to vibrate and emit specific sounds that push the water out. I mean, this is, uh, it's, it may, cool. may, maybe it's never been captured as well as a slow-mo guy's capable of. Uh, Gavin on that, on that particular clip right there. It's really cool to see the way it's vibrating, pushing the water out. So obviously you can go swimming with the Apple Watch. You're probably not swimming with your iPhone mm. for the time being. The iPhone has its own water resistance built in, but it's not to the same level. And it's lacking features like that that the watch has. But this patent actually aims to bring that type of functionality to the phone. A water ejection system for the iPhone. So all of a sudden now, you go surfing with the phone. I can now. Yeah, you go surfing with the phone. Yeah. I know you're big into that. Uh, big surfer. I know you like to I like you like to catch a wave here and there. Oh. From what I from what I understand. Yeah. Gnarly waves. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, what is it? What's the new one? Sto you get, you're stoked for that. <laughs> new one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, new one. What the kids say? <laughs> yeah. You see a gnarly wave and get stoked. Cowabunga? Willie do 2020. Yeah. You understand? All, all those trips you take down to Hawaii. I know what you're up to. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're up to. Oh, you caught me. Yeah, I got you. So this shows a water ejection system built into the iPhone. Similar technology found in Apple Watch Series 2 and later. Speaker and a sensor module with hydrophobic coating repels water, which would make an iPhone even more waterproof and also prevent the speakers from failing right after they come in contact with liquids. This is a patent at the moment. We don't know how long this would take to show up in an iPhone, but you could have a futuristic surf-proof iPhone. Mm. Mark Zuckerberg, he did an interview and he looked very uh well he looked like he normally how he why, normally does why do they show him as well he sets it up himself just man his his face is he he sits very, very close like, to the dark. camera with the wide angle but he always looks like he's crying or something like his eyes are very eyes watery are very i mean maybe there's a reason glassy. maybe there's a reason i don't know a condition i don't know i can't be talking too much yeah I mean, there could be more to the story he's uh awaiting an upgrade <laughs> you know the meme he's a robot or version three yeah whatever anyways he's a he's upset or he's not upset he maybe he's upset at apple about the ad tracking stuff ios 14 privacy changes really threaten facebook's business model how how they're gonna be able to track you around a phone you know we talked about this so many times instagram facebook the whole operation works and is on your phone because it can show ads to you i mean let's be honest let's break it down let's say what it is let's call it what it is mm-hmm so you may be upset about that, but also he's saying, you know what? All this stuff going on with the App Store, I think it deserves the scrutiny that it's getting. Well, if you were Mark Zuckerberg, if you were Mr. Facebook, you may right. say this. Mm -hmm. You may think this. Uh, Apple, of course, under fire uh, from seemingly all angles over the App Store. Started with Epic, moved on to others. Facebook in the list. Microsoft in the list with the Game Pass stuff. Different countries as well. Different countries in the list. Russia's in the list. Japan's yeah. in the list. Developers all over the world wondering about the 30% piece. The Apple tax, some like to call it. Others uh, concerned about policies relating to 
app submissions, yes. app approvals, so on and so forth. Here's a quote from Zuckerberg in his latest interview. Well, I certainly think that they have the unilateral control of what gets on iPhones, of what gets on phones in terms of apps. I think it's probably about 50% of Americans who have smartphones and a lot more people around the world. I think there are more than a billion Apple devices. So I do think that there are questions that people should be looking into about that control of the app store and whether that is enabling as robust of a competitive dynamic following up speaking about the google play store by comparison he says as a developer if you're not in the google play store at least you still have a way to get your app on people's devices and that means that people aren't completely going to be shut out if they're doing something that google doesn't prefer i think that's really important that people have a way to create something and get it on devices if people want all right so that's coming via zuckerberg i can't say i'm surprised by that position from him, considering the potential for upcoming disputes and so forth with the advertising business model and how iOS 14 treats it. Uh, you can weigh in for yourself. I'm sure you will down in the comments section whether Apple is justified or if it does deserve the scrutiny that it's getting. Uh, either way, I don't think the scrutiny is going anywhere. The Epic thing is unresolved. I think Apple just sued Epic. They sued them back. Countersuit. There's a countersuit going on. Uh Microsoft continues forward with their Game Pass stuff. It's going to be an, on Android. And iOS users are going to have to take a, take a peek at that and see how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, getting, back, getting back to Google, specifically to Pixel stuff, we recently had an interview. We didn't have the interview. The Verge did the interview with uh, Google's former camera chief. He's the guy who recently went over to Adobe to potentially work on a universal camera app. You know, this guy loves the software. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Lavoie. He explained he moved on from Google. He hit a sort of ceiling over there, and he wants to bring to more devices. He wanted to go to Adobe and all the rest of it. I mean, it's outlined in the interview. But something else that came out is that he's not a fan. And by the way, this guy, what he's doing with the cameras, I can speak from experience, big, big Pixel software fan, mm. Google camera app fan, myself, the way, the style, the look mm -hmm. of, uh, I mean, I've been the beneficiary of, of the work. Yeah. that Mark Lavoie put into that software, big software guy. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't like big megapixel cameras. As you may imagine, the Pixel never really pushed in that area. It really didn't push in the multi-camera area at first either. And then they started to think about it afterwards. But it's been a 12 megapixel thing. He thinks the trade-offs are too big. He thinks it's software's job. He goes on to say that, like, look, here's there are downsides to these mega, mega, mega megapixel counts. Mega, megapixel count. Wow. See how that goes. Uh, he said, it's not a good idea. He's convinced. He's not convinced it's a good idea due to the laws of physics. The denser the megapixel count, the higher the signal-to-noise ratio. Also, not a fan of pixel binning on a high megapixel sensor. He says, the approach makes it harder to demosaic the shot and produce aliasing artifacts like zippering. I mean, this guy's deep. He's into it. He also says he sensor technology is fairly mature and all the changes that are taking place now are fairly incremental. He truly believes the real opportunity is in the software. AI? Yeah. Algos? Oh, oh, Algotown. Yeah. Algotown and neural stuff, smarts, Brains. Uh, processing and circuits, styling, really. I mean, style decisions and contrast and. Yeah. 
sharpening or lack thereof, all these crazy interpretations of, oh, that's a human. Here's how we want to treat that. That's a dog. Here's what we're going to do here. All this uh, against the enormous reference pool that exists of all the photos that have ever been taken. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's magical stuff, really. Mm -hmm. Well, not to him. He's working on it. It ain't magic at all. He's like, no, nah, I did that. But anyway, he goes to Adobe, and we talked about this in the past. The cool part there is maybe this technology gets out to more people in the form of a universal app. I don't know how Adobe makes money on it. Mm -hmm. bit curious there when the thing comes out. But if you're wondering what he thinks about megapixel counts, he's not convinced. If you're buying a smartphone with a 64 megapixel camera on it, it's common right now. I mean, you have 108 megapixel cameras, pretty common right now. Mm -hmm. Then you're not making Mark Lavoie happy. He yeah. says we'll do it with 12 megapixels. And bigger camera hump too. A lot of humps. Right? Yeah. A lot of humps out there. Speaking of the Pixel, we have a new Pixel 5 leak that seems to be pointing at a something called a Pixel 5S. Now, how confusing has this whole thing been trying to track and follow what Google's doing with these upcoming Pixels? Mm -hmm. After the 4A, then there was the they were going to do the 4A 5G, which was going to be the big model, then they were going to do the 5, was going to be the small model. It was, it's, who knows about all the branding stuff? Yeah. We don't need to talk about it again. We talk about it every time. Mm -hmm. But now you have 5S, and S has commonly been an indicator of a superior model. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't stand for superior, but the higher end model would have the S associated with it. So maybe, maybe there's another one in the mix, or maybe they fixed the naming thing. And they don't go with 4A, 5G, and 5. Who really knows? So yeah. th this leak comes out. It showcases the back of the device featuring this kind of speckled look, which many were expecting. Almost like these little silver specks. You could scroll down. There's a picture of the back of the device. And those you see the little specks even go into the, into the fingerprint scanner. A little silverish-looking specks. Uh, anyway, this looks a lot like what people expected it to look like. Nothing super surprising there, but it's actually in the About Phone section where you see Pixel 5S that you start wondering, asking questions. Is it a code name? Is it temporary? Or are they gonna? Is it indicative of an extra model? Mm. Uh, or does the is the 5S does the 5 become the 5S and the 4A 5G become the regular 5? I don't know what I'm doing, man. And they launch it all together. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make sense of it for you. It's tough. It's a tough job out here. Uh, anyways, so we may or may not see a Pixel 5S. The whole thing could be a giant goof, or we may have an extra Pixel, or they'll change the names to try to make it easier for us to understand. Mm. There's a leaker that emerged on Reddit and uh, many of the typical Apple sites who would report on things that a leaker might say are a little skeptical of this guy, but he claims, I don't even know if it's a guy, to be honest, this guy or girl, he claims that at this upcoming Time Flies event, the September 15th event that Apple has sent out invitations to, he claims that we're going to see a 14-inch Apple Silicon MacBook Pro at that event. And of course, this would be the, the very first Apple Silicon, with the exception of that developer unit, Mac Mini that they sent out. This would be the very first uh, commercially available Apple Silicon computer that somebody could buy. Mm. And uh, apparently this unit, the internal GPU in the unit would be comparable to a Radeon 
Pro 5500M and the overall performance metrics would be in line with the current 16-inch MacBook Pro, obviously much bigger MacBook Pro. That's the current flagship MacBook Pro, I suppose. And they could do it with their very own chip in there. He also mentions that a that 12-inch that MacBook, ultra-portable MacBook we talked about on a previous episode and the rumored 24-inch iMac, which looks like an iPad on a stick. He says those are coming too but uh, they may or may not show up at this event. Of course, a lot of speculation around this event. With the title Time Flies, many expect it's going to have a focus on the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch upgrade to the next version. Mm -hmm. But you know Apple's going to probably want to pack a few other things in there. And if uh, this is to be believed, I think this uh, could be kind of interesting to finally to finally see that Apple Silicon we heard a ton about mm -hmm. show up inside of a... And I don't know how... I don't know about the end users and how ready they're going to be to transition over to completely new hardware. You know, a lot of people use MacBook Pros for work. A lot of people use MacBook Pros on mission-critical tasks. Is there going to be any apprehension to shift over to Apple Silicon when it comes to considerations around compatibility? I know you're showcasing right now how this uh, transition may be helped via software. But you know how this goes, Will. You run an update some days, you're like, all oh, my stuff bust is busted because mm -hmm. it's a very specific scenario by which you get work done. Right. And so I don't know when it comes to the pro designation, if that's the right place for the first Apple Silicon device, if it mm -hmm. shouldn't have been at the more consumer-facing level. Right. I don't know. I'm just a guy talking. Mm -hmm. That's that's that. But anyway, apparently it's possible we get a 14-inch MacBook Pro which could be actually a size that could get people excited as well because mm -hmm. the MacBook Pro has always been large. Yeah. And this one's going to be presumably more uh, portable. The next generation, Xbox Series S slash X. We learned a lot about this stuff recently. I mean, there was a, a teaser video that came out today. We learned a little bit yesterday. Was it maybe even the day before? That thing right there? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> The I got this article here, Xbox Next Generation Strategy Threatens to Disrupt the Console Business. Christopher Dring. And I love I love this conversation. I find it to be quite interesting myself as well. Microsoft Microsoft apparently is going to take this game pass first approach. I think that the game pass game pass mentality that they're working on kind of helps lead you to the 299 console. Mm. When you are in a in a in a non-subscription universe and you're relying on software sales and whatever portion and profit you earn from the individual software sale you've got a lot a little bit more riding on the hardware when you get that opportunity to sell some hardware if you if the focus is shifted and all of a sudden it's about your your service business and it's about a subscription now you're looking at the long term now you're saying well the hardware is not the be-all and end-all. The key characteristic, the key component in this transaction is getting a person on Game Pass. Yes. And, and how are you going to get more people on Game Pass? Well, lower the barrier to entry. Put it as low as possible. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't, if the Series S doesn't have the what, what some may consider to be the next, the true next generation performance, it's going to bring in has the potential to bring in more yeah. subscribers and at the entry level, you know? It's get gonna them in the door. Get the foot in the door. That's yeah. what it is. Dip their feet wet. 
And there's this rumor, it may even be more than a rumor at the time I'm saying this now, that the way that the Game Pass slash console purchase configuration may take place is that you would uh, that you would be able to pay it off over time, that you would be able to finance it. Mm. That you could sign up for Game Pass and for $25 per month on the Series S or $35 per month on the Series X, mm -hmm. you got access to hundreds of games. EA just got added to the list as EA well. EA Play, yes. EA Play. And, I mean, you would already be paying a subscription service. Like, you could one game per month would cost you $60, bucks, right? Mm -hmm. One game per month. Now you got hundreds of games. You would have already been playing for the online, paying for the online subscription. Yes. You would have already been paying for the console. So you wrap it up in twenty five per month on the Series S. You got all those games to choose from, and, and you get the that, new console. Yeah, and on top of that, I think X Cloud is coming to Game Pass. Game Pass too. Correct. So that's cloud gaming. Yeah, that's you what I was talking. Yes. Anything. Yes. It's a good deal. So good now you start to you start to say, hmm. Is this powerful enough enough to shift the model to where Sony, other console companies need to reconsider what they're doing, uh, Nintendo or, or Sony or whoever it might be, that if we do move to a subscription gaming model, and I don't know if how quickly this happens or if it's going to be for everyone. I mean, it remains to be seen. We got to see how this goes down. But let's say everybody moves to a subscription-based model. It, it would appear to me that Microsoft get, has kind of a head start here mm -hmm. and a, a major advantage if that's what they believe. And I presume that is what they believe because they got the 299 console. Mm -hmm. And Sony's not going to have anything to compete with that, presumably. Mm -hmm. So they're banking on it. And they may even be losing a few bucks on it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Now, granted, you're not going to have to do this. You could pick up a Series X and just keep buying your software the way you want to. Right. So there's options, which is a good thing as well. But it does have some pretty big implications for the gaming industry. You have one of the major players in gaming. You have some of the latest hardware in gaming. And it's sitting there to essentially promote a subscription-based gaming service. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I was just playing uh, Gears of War on xCloud on my uh, on my phone there. Whoa, man. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And, like, the graphics are, are great. You were just doing that? Like... Well, a couple of days ago. Oh, wow. I mean, it's cool. Like, it's it's so uh, ubiquitous, the, the service. So, yeah, good on them. Wow. Future. Believe it or not, the Tesla Model 3 was not the most sold EV in China... It's a it's a it's a car that is a GM partnership that actually beat the Model Three in terms of units sold, uh, with fifteen thousand cars sold in China last month. It's called the Hong Hongguang Hongguang Mini EV, and it's a two door what they call a micro electric vehicle. It's a joint venture between General Motors. SAIC Motor Corp and another partner, SGMW. And that compares to 11,800 units of the Model 3. Now, you know Elon went over there and he put the Gigafactory in Shanghai to target the Chinese market, but the Model 3 is still not really that cheap. It's not that affordable in terms of cars, and certainly not when you compare it to gas cars. 
I know it's, it's really nice. It's a refined vehicles, fast. It's I mean, I drove, you know, yeah. it's, it's a nice yeah. car, but but it's what is it? He, originally it was the target was thirty five thousand, but most of the ones you see on the street is more than that. It's usually the performance. You model. see a lot of fifty thousand dollar model threes yeah. out there. And in in well, in this market, in any market, that's a little more than the entry price for a car. And it's not the most of the popular cars you see on the road are not at that price point. Mm -hmm. And so this model, I'm about to blow your mind right now. The mini EV from Huang Guang is twenty eight thousand eight hundred won, which is four thousand two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. How about a brand new car, a brand new EV? Now it's a micro little car. Yeah. With two doors. I don't know. Maybe you fit a grocery bag. I don't know what you do. Yeah. 4200 I got to believe in a lot of places, though, you need something like this to be able to park it and all that. Right? Yeah, and, that's and, why it's so boxy, too. It's tight in the city, man. Yeah. You've been, over, you've been to Shenzhen. I mean, it's tight. Yes. It's a lot of action going on over there. Mm-hmm. And so you get this one. It's a two door. It's get you get the job done around town, and you know four thousand bucks. Yeah. So they're moving units, and I I believe Elon has said this in the past that he still feels he doesn't have a cheap enough Tesla, mm -hmm. and this is the reason right here because there's an opportunity. There's a door left open for these upstarts that figure out the utilitarian vehicle for most people, for the big numbers of people. And certainly for the various markets that you like, how they how the back a, seat goes down. Yeah, it's four seats. Yeah, and look how it folds down. You get a full trunk. Yeah. Willie Do's picking one up. Not, not bad. Four thousand bucks. EV save on gas. Get a few of these. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's still impressive numbers for Tesla. Obviously, an American company doing business in China mm -hmm. doesn't happen all that often. Uh, GM is a partner in this particular vehicle, but it's not theirs exclusively. Tesla, on the other hand. Gigafactory, Shanghai, doing their own work, and they and they moved eleven thousand units. So that's still very impressive. Hmm. But it's just a little. It's interesting to see what's actually working and what people are looking for. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Lucid. They just confirmed their price range for the air electric car from eighty Gs to one seventy. So that's full out luxury status up against the Model S and maybe even beyond, depending on the specification. Now. Keep in mind, they want it's like it's very luxurious, mm -hmm. and it's a large sedan, and it has some pretty impressive specifications. We saw the drag race the other day. I think was it the quarter mile in nine point nine seconds, which we showcased, mm -hmm. and also also some really impressive range numbers. A third party test showed EPA range of the luxury sedan at five hundred and seventeen miles on a charge. So you're gonna pay for that. But you're yes. going to pay. Yes. But you're going to pay for Very that. expensive. But. So the Air, the starting point for the lineup, which is just called the Air, available in 2022, is going to be 80000 bucks or 72500 after federal tax credit. The well-equipped Air Touring model, which will be available earlier, this is how they do it, Well, hmm. They make the expensive ones available first. Mm -hmm. So if you really want it, they're like, okay, let's go pay up. And then later down the road, if you're trying to save a few bucks mm. for the for the budget model. Anyway, the air touring mode, late 2021, 95,000 bucks or 87.5 after federal tax credit. The fully equipped air grand touring, mid 2021, 
139 or 131 500 after the tax credit and the all inclusive limited volume air dream edition spring 2021 169,000 or 161,500 after federal tax credit. You could be this man right here. Mm. You pick that one up. That's what happens to you. Pretty all, good. Yeah, all of a sudden, you look at the posture. All of a sudden, look at the expression on his face. You see the type of stress you carry on the daily? He doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. He could be, look at him. Uh, around him is actually gridlock, but the way it looks to him is mountains and fog. Yeah. Because it's the lucid air dream situation going on. Right? Yeah. He's having a full dream over there. He's that looks like Alcantara time. on the dash. What was that, Utah? No, no, he's actually in gridlock in Los Angeles. I it know, just like looks like Utah in his mind because he's having a dream because yeah, he's in a dream. In the that canyons. could be you, Will. Yeah. Think about it, all right? Here's a slightly more practical and affordable little gadget. The AmazeFit Neo is a capable budget fitness smartwatch in a retro body. Now, you know the retro body caught my attention because I was always such a fan of that look. I was always such a fan of the G-Shock since I was a kid. I always liked a sort of rugged, uh, rubberized type of uh, tactical-looking watch. And one of my biggest... Well, I have a couple complaints about smartwatches. Battery life drives me crazy on, on many of the modern ones and also too much tech where it can be, be disruptive or something like this. You get too many notifications. Then I end up turning off the notifications. I'm like, why am I wearing a smart? You see how it goes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fitness side is obviously interesting. And and this one is able to do that. It has the heart rate tracking. So that's in there if you want it. The price of this thing is also incredibly attractive if you're into the styling. Available for 40 bucks. Wow. And here's the cool part, Will. Because it's kind of low-tech, high-tech, smartwatch slash old-school watch look, it's got tons of battery life. Apparently, typical users will see around four weeks between charges. Mm. Four weeks? That's a month, Will. It is. Four weeks is a month. You never got to charge a thing. You just use it. You track your fitness. You got your water resistance. You got your activity tracking. You got your sleep tracking. And you got the around the clock heart rate monitoring. You can also, you don't have any GPS or anything like that, but you can also get basic call and message notifications on it. I see. And so it's kind cool. of a nice little in between. Yeah. And it's 40 bucks. Would you wear this? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, okay. I'll, tr- I'll try it out. Anyway, I just, you know, every so often you want to bring the budget minded thing in there. Mm. Uh, it's, you, know, you got a $40 fine. I don't know. All right, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is for the dude who was in the Lucid vehicle earlier, mm. who was having an air dream in Utah. He, uh, unlike the last product, which he'll probably skip, he'll go for this one, which is Sony's new 4K projector that hits 10,000 lumens and is a project projector that looks like OLED Nice on the HDR. That's how bright it is. They actually have a NIT rating, which I know that's what you got to get to the bottom of. You got to say, all right, that's fine, Lou. They make a big claim here. I need to know about the nits, as you would say right. most times. 10,000 lumens equates to around six to 700 nits on a TV display, meaning you get the same brightness you'd get on an OLED panel, but on a four to five meter screen. Tonal blacks in deep shadows with a focus on contrast and resolution alongside the high brightness stats. So you see in the image, the projector is showcased next to a window. Now, 
it's in like a living room. This is not a movie theater. They put it in the living room because it can deal with the brightness of the light coming through the windows, mm -hmm. presumably at that level of brightness. Mm -hmm. It can overwhelm the sunlight if it's truly as bright as an OLED display, but of course, much larger. Uh, it's a, it's a, they, they, they actually announced a range of projectors. This is the flagship model. This thing is going to be heavy. By the way, it's 50 kilograms. So it's a bit of a beast. You see it hanging it's on a, on a ceiling there. You got to be prepared for something like that, Will. But it's cool to see, you know, I follow this stuff to a certain extent. I love the look of an OLED image. Uh -huh. And if you can achieve that from a projector, that's going to be pretty amazing. Because all these projectors, they have the drawback where the competing light kind of washes out the image a little bit. And if this one can overwhelm it with a tr with ten thousand lumens, that's a new level. That's a that's very capable. Let's get it in the studio. All right, cool. Let's slap it on the wall. OLED. Yeah. We'll do it. Uh, Sony's four K ten thousand lumen projector versus OLED. It's the Sony X One Ultimate processor. No, that's not the that's the processor in the unit. What's the name of the actual X One? No, of course. Look at this. No, no, it's not the X1. That's the processor. Oh, boy. Oh, is we're, it, we're deep. It, uh, we're deep, room? dude. No. No? VPL. No, 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 because that's 2,000 lumens. Oh, the flagship model available in late 2020 is getting this chip, though the other two models making use of a more standard X1 projector. It's the VPL-GTZ380. <laughs> Who's going to remember that? I guess it doesn't matter, Will. You got this kind of money to blow on an OLED-like experience in your living room slash movie theater. I think you uh, you don't mind having to type the code name like that. No. You know what I mean? You may, might make you feel more special. People mm -hmm. come over, you're like, that's the GTZ 380. And they're like, I have no idea what that means. And you're like, exactly. 